Well, good morning again. It's great to, again, be here with you this morning. You know, it is awesome. Hey, Mom, it's awesome to be uh, able to preach and my mom to be able to watch in Illinois. And, um, you know, my mom is a strong woman. And I'm going to say that. I'll brag about my mom for a little bit. I don't get to do that too much, especially to all of you. But, um, you know, my mom, uh, when we first started our online worship service, uh, my mom was one of our first attenders. Uh, And um, I was back in that booth um, on that very first time we... we, uh, I'm going to get emotional, but the very first time that we broadcast live, and I remember being on that chat room back there, and my mom accepting the Lord as her personal Savior, and so that goes to show you the power of our online service goes worldwide, and the the message of Christ can get broadcast anywhere, and God can do his thing, so I'm awesome. I'm proud of you, Mom. My mom's uh, currently uh, uh, battling uh, her second time through um, with breast cancer. Um, and, uh, and I'll tell you what, um, I'm the pastor and, um, sometimes she has to put me in check with my faith and she's, she's, she's a great woman. So, all right, let's turn it up a little bit. Let's try to cheer each other up a little bit this morning. So, you know what? I want to try to start off a little bit of a joke this morning. Um, you know, uh, we're going to be talking about hindsight and this joke will tie in with that. So um, there was this man that was out in the woods, and he decided that he was going to go bear hunting. And so he had been out all day and, and trekking through the woods, trying to find the tracks, trying to find that, that great trophy kill of a great grizzly bear. And after, after uh, spending all day out there with no luck, um, he decided to call it a day, and, and he decided, you know what, before I go back to my vehicle, I'm going to go down by the stream. And I'm going to freshen up a little bit, throw some water in my face, and, and, and just kind of cool off a little bit. And so he went down to the stream. He knelt down by the side. He set his rifle up against a tree back up off the shore a little bit and was down there. And he was splashing some water on his face. And also he heard some rustling in the woods across the stream. He pops up. He looks at his head. And there is a grizzly bear charging out of the woods coming across the stream. Well... He knew he wasn't going to be able to get to his rifle in time, so he quickly knelt and said a prayer. He said, Lord, would you please let that bear be a Christian? Well, it, it went silent. It, the, you couldn't hear the, the bear rushing through the water anymore. The stream kind of went silent, and, and the man kind of popped his head up thinking that the bear was gone. And he looked, and right next to him was the bear on his knees saying, Lord, thank you for the meal I'm about ready to receive. (laughs) See, I I, I bet you now that the man wishes that he would have prayed that the bear would have been a vegetarian, you know, so in hindsight, right? Well, hey, this morning we're going to kind of be talking about hindsight. You know, hindsight, we talk about sight. We talk about vision. We, You know, sight's important. We have hindsight. We have insight. We have foresight. We have eyesight. And, 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 and it's, it's, a, it's a key element to our lives. Um, but yet sometimes when we focus so much on hindsight, it can paralyze us. Um, you know, I did some research on just how important our sight is. You know, um, you know one of the greatest uh, creatures of God's creation um, is the bald eagle and has the greatest sight. And that, that, that eagle is the way that the eyes are on the head of an eagle um, and, and the vision that they have is almost, they almost have like binocular vision. From the heights of us, no, no other bird soars as high as an eagle. And so with that vision, they're able to see their prey in the water. They're able to see where they need to go. Um, but also while they're in flight, their heads can turn at about a 270-degree angle. And with their peripheral vision, that gives them a view 
viewpoint of about 340 degrees. Um, so nothing can really ever sneak up when, a, when an eagle is sitting on the ground. It actually, um, I wish I could have blown your phone. You know when you take a picture on your phone and you want it to be really good? Um, because it, it never turns out like what you're seeing it in person. But um, not long ago, out here in the field, um, I was coming to work one morning, and a bald eagle was sitting out in the field. Um, it, was, it was amazing. And when I took my picture, that thing looked about that big instead of how majestic it was. But, you know, even when the eagle is in that position... And when you're thinking it's vulnerable, it's not. Because of its vision, its sight, it's, been able, it's able to have hindsight um, with the way that its eyes and its head move so that no creature can sneak up on top of an eagle. The greatest threat to an eagle is really humans. You know, their eyes are, 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 are they're able to see out in front of them. They're able to have foresight. And they're able to have insight because they're able to decide at the right time, take the opportunity to, to attack. Now, our human sight is nowhere comparable to that of an eagle. You know, we have, uh, we have great sight. Um, I did some great uh, studies, you know, um, this, this week as I was trying to prepare for a sermon. I'm, I'm researching eyeballs. Um, and, you know, it's pretty, pretty interesting, the eyeball. Um, did you know that the eyeball is one of the strongest muscles in the body? It's actually a muscle, the way, the way it works. Um, another fact about the eyeball, did you realize your eyeballs are the same size today that they were when you were born? Interesting, isn't it? I mean, your, your nose, I mean, my nose has gotten a lot bigger. My mom could probably show you pictures. Now my ears have gotten bigger. You know, as you get older, they start drooping a little bit more. You know, your ears, your nose, they grow, but your eyes don't. Your eyes are the same size from the time you were born to today. Um, the eye uh, has a reaction time. Visually, we react at a certain uh, speed. Um, when, when we, uh, it moves pretty fast. When, when we catch something out of the corner of our eye, it takes our eye a matter of 2.5 seconds to respond to that visual stimulus. Um, if we hear a sound, uh, it takes our eye one point. Uh, 0.17 seconds to respond to that sound, to kind of look your eyes to react to where that sound's coming from. And then if you ever, if you're touched, it takes your eye a matter of point, uh, 0.15 seconds in order to respond to that touch. It's pretty fast. You know, uh, we, we have fast reaction time. Um, another interesting fact about the eyeball, do you know why pirates wore the eye patch? I mean, I mean, I assumed it was because they didn't have an eye under that patch, right? I mean, I've watched the Goonies enough. I've watched and I've seen where, you know, when they're going there and one-eyed Willie and he takes up and there's no eyeball and, like, when he, when, when he looks underneath that. But, no, really what it was is that pirates wore eye patches because you can focus out of one eye better than you can focus out of both your eyes because it causes your brain and the optical nerves inside your brain to, to focus in and hone in on, on tighter, tighter targets, which is why when you're in the military, you're taught, or when you're hunting, you shoot with usually one eye closed. Interesting facts. You know, do you re your reaction time for, you know, for blinking, you know, a pitcher can throw a ball, and by the time the, a, a batter blinks, the ball has, when the, when the ball leaves the pitcher's hand, and by, in a, in a blink of an eye, we say in a blink of an eye, um, you can miss it. It's because a baseball can go past you in that, that amount of time. But interestingly enough as well is how fast the eye will blink. 
Um, do you know that your eyes blink at a speed of 400 milliseconds per, per hour? Which, which makes that um, 1,440 million miles per hour is how fast your blink is, your action time. You know, it's awesome to see our sight because our sight does a lot for us. You know, our sight, when, we, when, we, when I'm looking out at you, it's, a, it's amazing what the eyeball is doing. It's taking a snapshot of you, and it's going through. I mean, photographers can tell you about going through the lens and capturing a picture, and, you know, it, it, it burns onto the, the film or digitally and how, it, how it's embedded now. Um, I'm sure Colin can tell us all about that. He's a great photographer and takes great pictures. But, you know, our eyes, when we see something, I look out at you, my eyes are my blinking, I'm, I'm basically snapping a picture of you. It, your, your, your image is passing through my lens, through my cornea, hitting the retina, going back to the back to the optic, optic nerve, where um, it flips you guys right side up because the human eye sees everything upside down until it hits that optic nerve and reverses it um, in, in, in the human eye. But yet, the crazy thing with that is, too, is that your image is then being burned and imprinted on my mind. The things that we allow to come in through our eyes can be embedded on our mind. The things that happen, and they're there. I remember when Christian was young, we used to tell him to kind of to, uh, to watch what he, you know, was be careful with what you're watching on TV because that stuff will get into you, your mind. I mean, really, um, if you want to understand why um, a lot of men, and I, I'll talk about this because we talked about it last week a little bit, why men struggle with um, pornography is because of the images that we see on TV commercials as a child, when we're a child, that we're seeing that, that are been printed on our minds. And so we used to have Christian uh, do a song, and you might have heard it too, is like, you know, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. I don't remember the rest of it, but, you know, um, if that, and then it would go on to say, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Because we want to be careful of what we're putting in our minds, because when it's on our minds, um, it can cause us damage, it can cause us pain, and then eventually it can cause us shame. And then sometimes that shame, we get so stuck on, uh, on that shame that we don't move forward, because we can't, we feel like we can't move past it. You see, when we start focusing our eyes or our mind on our past, we can get trapped. You know, hindsight, we say, is 2020. We can, and hindsight can be great for us, but it also can keep us from being all God's called us to be. I mean, it's very interesting. We are in 2020, and that's perfect vision, correct? I mean, any eye doctors here? Uh, Dr. Church isn't in here right now, but I mean, I remember going to the eye doctor. Everyone wants to have 2020 vision. That's perfect vision. And so, why not talk about having perfect vision in 2020 for your life? You know, God makes all things new, beautiful things um, are made new. That's what that song was. And I love that. So, we're in the beginning still of the new year. And we've been talking about how to become new people, new creations in, in God um, through Buddy's message and who we wanted to be. And then even with uh, Joe's message last week and, and, and how to, you know, to, to address your hurts and stuff so you can become somebody new by the end of 2020. And today we're going to focus that on, on realizing what God sees all of us as so that we can focus in on who we really are and who we're supposed to be. 
in 2020. Because we're all supposed to be that. You see, we can get trapped in our past and in our hurts. You know, there's a story in the Bible that I want to share with you today that kind of goes through this, um, this guilt and shame complex. I mean, we can go to guilt and shame right in the first, first chapters of the Bible when we're in the Garden of Eden. I mean, that's where guilt and shame were introduced. You know, if you can remember, when, when God was walking through the, yard, uh, the garden, this is after Adam and Eve had, had eaten from that forbidden fruit, um, and God was coming down to kind of be in relationship with them, like he desires to be in relationship with us and to walk with us, and, and, and they felt shame and guilt, and they hid from God. See, our guilt and our shame we tends to keep us hidden from God. And it causes us to separate from God. You know, it was after that, because they were ashamed that they were naked, but why, they didn't even, they wouldn't have known they were naked had they not eaten from that fruit. And God said, why, why are you, you shouldn't feel this way. And, and was hurt and threw him out of the garden. And there was your first fashion design was fig leaves and, and leather or whatever it was, right? Um, and, and, and that's that's what God had, uh, where separation happened, and guilt and shame entered the world. And, and, and we, can be, we can be trapped by that guilt and shame, and we're, we're trying to fight against that to this very day. And that's why God, throughout the entire Bible, is trying to restore and free us from the guilt and shame. Um, throughout the throughout the entire Bible, that's what the whole story is. It's, it's a it's a redemption story. It's about getting back his first love. I mean, it's a romance novel of God wants to get back his first love, and that's you, that's me. You know, I, I love this. There's been a few phrases that stick in my head in my years here at Salem Fields. I mean, March. I'll, I've been um, uh, attending Salem Fields in March for 20 years. I mean, I, I mean that's a long time. I was a young Marine, and and you know I I put on some pounds since the, since I first walked through these doors because those Krispy Kreme donuts, and and everything over the years. But there's a couple of things that I've always heard from this stage that kind of stick in my mind. The first one is this, and some of you that have been around here for a long time is this: is that you know we can get stuck in living this ho hum life, and the ho hum life is that we wake up in the morning to eat a little breakfast to go to work to come home, to have a little dinner, to sit back in the recliner, to watch a little TV, to go to bed, to wake up in the morning, to have a little breakfast, to go to work, to come home, to have a little dinner, to sit back in the recliner, to watch a little TV, and to go to bed, to wake up in the morning, to have breakfast, to go to work, to come home, to have a little dinner, to get back in the recliner, to watch a little TV, and to go to bed. And that's the trap that most of us live our life. I mean, I think that's a truth of, of a lot of our lives. I mean, even as a pastor, I can get stuck in that rut and that routine. And, and pretty soon life can pass us by. But the other truth that I've always heard from this is this, and I want everyone to be able to walk away with this today. And that's what this message is really going to dive into, is that God is in love with you. God's madly in love with each and every one of you. 
You know, sometimes we don't feel that way because we're trapped with guilt and shame. See, God's crazy in love with you. You know, I can't think of someone that, that would love us so much. That, I mean, that they would sacrifice their own child to redeem us so he can get back his first love, which is us. See, God might get disappointed with our actions, but God doesn't hate us. God doesn't, God's not mad at you. God loves you. You know, last night, Saturday night, some people might have been out partying it up. You know what? That's okay. God still loves you. God loves each and every one of you. And I can be done preaching right now. And you'd be like, wow, that's great. You get home. Get that chili on. We got the playoff game of the day. But sorry, I'm going to keep you trapped here just a little bit longer. But yet, so in the Bible, there's this, another story that we kind of go into that, that kind of uh, illustrates while, how we can get trapped by guilt and shame. So here is, I'm going to kind of give us the setting. We're going to kind of skip through some chapters of the Bible in, in together, and then we're going to wrap up with some, in some key scripture here. But we're talking about the life of Peter. And Peter and the other disciples, Jesus had sent them away to go and prepare for the Passover, if you can remember that story. And they were up in the upper room, and they were, they were you know, having a feast, spending time with Jesus. And Jesus has this conversation with Peter. He says, hey, Pete, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. I'll do anything for you. I don't think so. Pete, you know what? I think by morning, you're going to reject me. Oh, you're crazy, Jesus. How would you like to be able to tell that? You're crazy, Jesus. You know, you know Pete, no. I know that um, by morning, you're going to you're going to completely deny you know me. I mean, isn't that sometimes how we are? We come here to church, maybe, um, maybe you don't know Jesus, but maybe some of us that are here that we know Jesus, and yet when we walk out those doors, we deny Jesus. And you see, when we deny God, when we deny Jesus, we fall into the trap of guilt and shame. And so what happens then is this, is that they finished up this feast, and, and they were carrying on, and you know, Peter probably forgot a little bit about that conversation, and they went to the garden, and they prayed. And Jesus was praying in the garden, and the next thing you know, Jesus is getting arrested. And they're hauling Jesus off. Disciples are, are, are panicking. They're, they're going all over the place. And, and, and some are running for their lives because they're afraid that they're going to get arrested too, and they're going to be thrown into jail, and, 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 and they're keeping their distance. And Peter, he's keeping his distance because he wants to kind of see what's going to happen to Jesus. He, does, he says he loves Jesus. He, he said he would, he would die for Jesus. This is what he, is what he said. But yet... Here he was, hiding back. Jesus is dragged into the courtyard. And they start they started throwing all these accusations at Jesus. They start beating Jesus. And, 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 and Peter's watching from a distance. And, and, and there's a lot of people gathered around trying to see what's going on. And, and, one, and one person looks over and says, hey, you. You're with Jesus, aren't you? Me? Nah, uh-uh. 
and he goes on. The crowd keeps moving through the courtyard, and, and, and they get up to, to, to this, this place, and, you know, it's, it's kind of a chilly night. And, and so they gather around a, a burn barrel, and they're, they're kind of there. I mean, I don't know if they had burn barrels back then, but we're just going to go with that in my mind, okay? Um, give you some images today. And so we're, we're, we're around this burn barrel, trying to stay warm, and we're kind of hearing what's going on with Jesus in the distance. And, 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 and then the person next to, to, to Pete says, looks over and says, Hey, you, yeah, you were with uh, Jesus in the garden. Just a little bit, you cut that guy's ear off. What are you talking about? Me? You're crazy. That's somebody else. You got me mistaken for somebody else. I don't know who this Jesus guy is. He denied Jesus. That was twice. Jesus said he was going to deny him three times before morning. And so the crowd pushes a little bit further into the courtyard, and, and, and Peter's trying to get up there even closer to see what's really happening to Jesus. And Jesus is, 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 is kind of being beaten down and, 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 uh, by, by these, uh, these oppressors, these people that want nothing more than to have him dead and off the face of the earth. And, and, and Peter's kind of in the crowd, and he's, he's, got, he's got a visual now on Jesus. I mean, imagine a crowd of people, and he, he's, able, he's able to kind of peer through the crowd, and he can see Jesus. And someone shouts out, hey, you, yeah, you, trying to peer through there, you, you know Jesus. You're one of his followers. And in that moment, as Peter's words are leaving his mouth, I do not know Jesus. Jesus looks up and makes eye contact with Peter. Third time. Rooster crows. Morning. That crow, that rooster crowing gives a chill to Peter's heart as he realizes what has just happened. He's denied Jesus. He said that he loved Jesus. He said that he would fight to the death for Jesus, but yet, and Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me. And, and, and Peter thought he was crazy, but yet, he did the very thing that Jesus said would happen. Guilt sets in. Shame sets in in the life of Peter. And what happens to us when we get sometimes bogged down in life and we, we get trapped by the guilt and the shame of our lives? Well, we learned last week that a lot of times we, we run back to the very things that are trapping us and we feel guilty and shame about into our addictions, into our what we would think is our safe place. And yet, it just adds in and compiles the guilt and the shame. But yet, there's Jesus. He goes to, he's arrested, he's beaten, he's taken to Calvary's cross and dies. Why? Because he loves you, he loves me, he loved Peter, even though he denied him. But Peter doesn't know that. Sometimes we get so trapped in that and we start thinking back about the things that we've done wrong that we forget about how much Jesus loves us. We're so focused on what's behind us that, you know, sometimes, I mean, if, imagine if I just walked around like this, I mean, you're going to have to catch me. Because I'm going to fall off the stage because I'm so far, I'm so focused on what's behind me. And I'm going to walk right into a wall, right? 
and we're going to miss out on what God's got out in front of us. And because we're so focused on the guilt and the shame of our past, we miss out on what God has for our future. So fast forward a few, few chapters here. Is this, you know, um, before we get to that verse, I guess I need to do this. You know, some of the things that hold us captive is this, and how we typically deal with our guilt and our shame is this, is that first of all, we deny it. We deny our guilt. We, we, deny, our, uh, we deny that we did something wrong. Or we try to become a better person. We try to do better things. We know we're doing something wrong over here, but to make us feel better about what we're doing wrong over here, hey, I'm going to go do something really good over here. And I'll just kind of deny that I had ever done that. And, or, 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 we, or, we, um, we, or sometimes we get so focused that we're obsessing about that guilt. You know, like, I know I've got this problem. I eat too many Oreos. I went to the pantry again and ate them again at midnight. You know, you obsess over the guilt and it traps you. You know, because of the things you're doing, you start obsessing over your guilty conscience. And then we tend to run away from our problems. We don't want to deal with it. We don't want to deal with the pain, so we try to run. We keep running and running and running. Uh, we run away from the things that we're trying to deal with, and it keeps us there. And then sometimes we're like Adam and Eve, and we just try to hide. We just try to hide from God. We stay away from church. We stay away from being involved in church. We stay away from reading our Bible. We don't want to no, we don't want to, God to see us in this state because we feel so bad inside. And that's what Peter had done. He, he retreated back. A lot of the disciples, they retreated back because they felt some of the guilt and shame. They were scared for their lives. Um, and they retreated back to what they had done before they met Jesus. They went fishing. And in John chapter 21, Jesus and Peter have an interaction. You see, Early one morning, this is after Jesus has been resurrected and, and kind of, you know, Peter has stayed still a distance even though he saw Jesus up in the upper room again when they were locked away. But this is the third time Jesus appears to his disciples. And, um, and, and Jesus, Peter's still struggling with this guilt and shame thing. And there on the shore is this fire, uh, this beach fire that's going. And, and, the, and Peter is out in the boat. And this person walks up to the fire and is kind of walking on the shores and he can kind of gets a glimpse of it. Who is that out there? And uh, realizes it's Jesus. Well, he knows that he loves Jesus. He's felt guilty and shame about it. He's tried to come to terms with that. So, but, and so he's so excited, he, 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 he jumps out of the boat and goes rushing to shore to meet Jesus. And Jesus... Uh, brings the other disciples in. They were having a tough time with uh, fishing, and, and they ended up gathering some fish, and so Jesus prepares a meal for them. I mean, that's a great thing. Isn't that awesome? Because Jesus prepares a meal because he wants to be in conversation and relationship. You don't just prepare a meal for somebody to send them on their way. I mean, I, I, if you came to my house, I wouldn't just say, hey, here's a hot dog, go. I'd say, here, have a, here's a hot dog, have a seat at my table, and we're going to have a conversation. And that's what Jesus was doing with Peter. And, and this is what happens. This is what, what, what happened. So they had breakfast. And after breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these others? Yes, Peter replied. You know I'm your friend. Then feed my lambs, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question a second time. Simon, um, 
Son of John, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, Peter said. You know I'm your friend. Well, take care of my sheep. Once more, Jesus asked him, Simon, son of John, are you really my friend? Do you really love me? That aha moment happens for Peter here. He's grieved, and he realizes what Jesus was trying to, to reestablish was the true love because Peter hadn't dealt with his guilt and shame. And he was grieved by the question. And Peter has a change in his mood. He says, Lord, you know, you know my heart. You know, you know I am. You know I love you. Then Jesus said, feed my little sheep. And, 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 and this, this interaction happens because Peter then goes on to be one of the disciples to help create the modern day church. And had Peter not dealt in that moment with the guilt and the shame and surrendered that to Jesus and truly in his heart change of love for Jesus, then we would never have the church. Peter would probably have been trapped in his past, like so many of us do. See, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to deal with our guilt and shame. There's the right way to deal with our guilt and shame. God says in the Bible that guilt, the guilt we feel is real. You know, sometimes when we make a mistake, the, the guilt we feel is real. You know, when you do something wrong, the guilt you feel is real. Uh, you can watch it in our children. And when they do something wrong and, and how their, their mood changes. The, the, the guilt, the pain, it's a real pain. It, 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 it eats away at us. It eats away at our spirit. Because, see, God who made us, he desired for us to be perfect. That's why he had the Garden of Eden and where Adam and Eve, when they were, when they were created, were made perfect. Perfect in his image. Until they denied God, really, by, by eating the fruit they weren't supposed to. And the guilt was real. The pain, the separation from God. You see, the, and the real truth is God wants us to be perfect, but none of us are. I'm not perfect. I'm far, far from being perfect. I mean, I make so many mistakes at times. Um, it's crazy that God still wants to use me. No, I mean, I, nothing like outrageous. But, you know, I'm not perfect. That's why I like being called Jason and not Pastor Jason. By pastor, I'm, that's what I do. But, you know what, I'm, I'm just a man trying to walk this land. Hey, there's a rhyme. Um, you know, I'm just a man trying to walk through this world, and I'm trying to, to conquer guilt and shame so that I can be in that perfect relationship with God. And my calling is to hopefully show you that my struggles, if I can struggle and I get through it by the faith that I have in God, then you can too. 
You see, none of us are perfect. It says um, in Romans 3.23, it says, yes, all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious idea of who we are. See, we have all broken God's two greatest commandments, that we should love the Lord our God with everything, all of our being. I mean, how many of us can truly say that we love the Lord with everything inside of us? And if we loved him with everything inside of us, then we would stop doing some of the things that we're doing. And if we do and we're sold out to God and we're surrendering to him on a daily basis and that we're moving towards that, that's great. But then we, we might miss the mark on the second part. Are we loving our neighbor? Our media says no. The church in America is not loving our neighbors. We've built walls in churches to separate us from those that we don't want to have to deal with anymore. And then we judge them and poke, poke at them and, and, and just de deny them altogether. You know, there's a population worldwide of 53% of people that will never walk into a church, ever. And most churches aren't doing anything about it. Now, I'm happy that I'm in a church that tries to do something about it. That's why we do family dinner at Smith Station. Try to do some things outside the church to, to try to make an impact in the lives of people. See, but we fall short. We break the commands of God. And when we break the commands of God, we've sinned. And that sin produces guilt. And then we, sh we have shame about it. And it keeps us trapped. You see, realize, and, and so we have to realize the only true way to free ourselves from any of the guilt and shame is that of Jesus. It says this in Romans 8, 5, 8 1 through 5, says, So there now is now no condemnation awaiting those who belong to Christ Jesus. For the power of life-giving spirit, for, for the power of the life-giving spirit, and his power is mine through Jesus Christ Jesus. He has freed me from the vicious circle of sin and death. You see, he's freed Paul from the, the vicious circle of, of death, of sin and circle of death, and, and that, that guilt and shame. See, that's really where, and that we're trapped in, if we have guilt, it's because we've sinned. But yet, if we can find ourselves in a relationship with God through the power of Jesus, then we can realize we are able to deal with that. You see, Jesus took the place of our guilt and shame on the cross. This is what happened when we're, when we're freed. He did this so we could be free. But how do we deal then with our guilt and shame? We deal with our guilt and shame by accepting the not guilty verdict. The not guilty verdict. Well, how do we get the not guilty verdict? Well, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You believe in him as your Lord and Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins. And if you believe that in your heart, then scripture says, then you shall be free. You are, your past is wiped clean. It's a clean slate. You're not guilty. And sometimes, though, we, we, we feel like we are stuck in the stuck in life and we forget to accept the not guilty verdict and we try to keep putting ourselves well I'm still I am back then I was so messed up and I was I was partying too much I was doing drugs I was I was being abusive um, I know I was doing these things and and we just keep putting ourselves back there we throw ourselves back in that courtroom and we're standing in that box and but yet God's already freed us 
But we're trying to get back in that box. We don't accept that. We want to hold on to our guilt and shame. But God doesn't want us to. He's freed us from that. And that's why he's given us the not guilty verdict. You know, a, a few years ago, um, I was coming back from swim practice with my kids, going out to Lake Anna. The church uh, staff was having a retreat out there. And um, I was just listening to some music, having a good time with my kids. And, um, and I got pulled over. And my kids thought it was great. Um, <laughs> they were laughing and carrying on in the back seat. Uh, so I had uh, an officer that came to the window, two officers. I was like, man, do I look that threatening? But apparently it was a deputy that was kind of new and was kind of, you know, being trained. And so the, the young deputies asked for my license and that. And the other deputy that's a little older uh, is back there laughing and joking around with my kids. And I'm like, get away from me. <laughs> uh, this isn't cool. And then my kids, like, were making fun of me the whole time because I got a ticket. And so I'm like, all right. I'll, what am I going to do? Well, I decided I'm going to go to court. And I'm going to see if the judge will reduce the, the speed. I mean, I was doing 70 and a 55. And um, I didn't realize it. That I, I was driving Jody's car, so I was in a little trouble from her. I didn't realize, you know, cars, the gas works differently on different cars. It's not the same as my Jeep. I got to push a little bit harder on my Jeep, so I thought I had to push that hard on the car. And no. And so here I am coming up to this court date, and I'm thinking, Lord, Please, if you love me, will you let that ticket just go away? Like, would you allow that officer to lose that ticket? Um, and, you know, they've got those things in, like, triple form or whatever. You're never going to get out of it. They plug it in the computers and all that. So, um, and so I'm just going there, and so I'm, I'm going to Louisa Courthouse, and I'm out there, and I walk into the courtroom, and I'm there with everybody else, and, and I'm sitting there, and it's, like, the most intimidating place, being in a courtroom. You're sitting there, and... And I'm like, Lord, I know, uh, I know you can get me out of this ticket. <laughs> and so I was like, um, I'm praying, and, and, and court cases are going, and people are getting their fines for speeding tickets. And uh, my deputy had more cases than anybody else, so we were kind of last. And, and then my name's in the middle of the alphabet, so I have to wait because they're going alphabetical order. But, you know, it was interesting. I, all these other deputies are going up there, standing at the podium, talking to the judge, going through their book. People are getting their tickets, and their fees and fines and all that and, and, and carrying on. Well, all of a sudden, here comes my turn. Here comes the deputy that's got our ticket. And he stands up and he walks up and he goes over to the Commonwealth Attorney. I'm like, well, this is a little weird. I'm like, whoa, what is going on? I'm like, I'm like am I going to end up in trouble even more than I realize? Um, and and he's, he's there and he talks with the Commonwealth Attorney a little bit. Then they go and they approach the bench to the judge. And there's all this whispering going on. And I'm like, okay, what's happening? Next thing you know, Deputy's back behind the podium, opens up his book. I'm like, oh, here we go. All right, I'm going to find out how much money I owe. And one by one, the judge is calling names, and he's telling people to go. I'm like, awesome. Well, maybe he's, maybe he's you know, I'm like, this is great. And then I started thinking, well, maybe what if he's only going to, like, the letter J and not the letter M for Mueller, and then he's going to start giving people tickets finding stuff. And he gets there, he says, Mr. Mueller. I stand up and I say, yes, sir. He said, have a nice day. You too, sir. You can go. Oh, okay. Um, and so I, I, I got found not guilty. And so I, I leave the courtroom, and, um, but I'm still puzzled. And so 
I'm trying to put myself back in the courtroom because then I walk over to the, the, the clerk of the court's office, um, the area, and I'm like, hey, I was just in there, and um, the judge, he said, have a good day. Does that mean I get to go? Do I have to pay any, like, court fees or anything? She said, he told you to go, right? And I said, yeah. Um, she said, then get out of here before he changes his mind. <laughs> I'm like, so, so I'm like, all right, great, great. So then I decided I'm going to play a little joke on Jody. I thought it would be great. And I'm like, Jody, I call her up. I'm like, hey, this is my one phone call. Um, the judge found me reckless, and I've got to spend the night in jail. I need a toothbrush and a tooth, toothpaste. Can you bring it to Louisa? And, um, of course, then, she, you know, she thought it wasn't too funny, and I did. But, then, <laughs> you know. but you know what? But, so, but see, we try to put ourselves back in the court. We want to accept the not guilty verdict when it comes in. You see, and God's got that for each and every one of us, that we can be not guilty when we accept Jesus Christ. We can be not guilty of the guilt and the shame that we're carrying around with us that keep us in the past where we're not seeing what God has for us in the future. You see, because when we, when we accept that not guilty verdict, when we, we accept Jesus Christ, then we're justified. We're justified. That means that, hey, come on in. It's good. All things have been dropped. Charges been that. You're, 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 you're in the right standing now. And it's because of Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. But, but Jason, what if I mess up again? Well, we all mess up again. And that's why Jesus in the, in, goes back and he's talking to John. And we learn later on in 1 John, who's now talking to those, the, those disciples that believed, he says this, he says, he says, but if we confess our sins to him, he can, he can be depended on to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. And it is perfectly proper for God to do this for us because Christ died and washed away our sins. And so what John is telling us here in 1 John, in the, first, in, in the very book of John, he's talking about how we can get in that relationship with Jesus, who Jesus did, what he died for. And then so we get in that relationship, and then so we need some more instructions later on. So here we have 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. And we get to 1 John, and we, I think there's three Johns. Wow. I'd be a bad pastor on my, on my Bible. And, and so... Sometimes you just get going. And, and, um, and, uh, and so you got First John, and he tells you, he says, hey, I know you believe in Jesus, but and, and you're going to make mistakes. Just ask for forgiveness. Confess to him and move on. Seek God's forgiveness and move on. That's how we can deal with our guilt and shame in a positive way. How, how, can, we, how, can, we, um, how can hindsight be positive? Well, because... When we allow God to do his work, we can see and demonstrate to others around us the, trans the, the, the transformational power of God. When we have accepted our not guilty verdict, and we've, we may have done something in the past, but when we're freed from that, we can accept that, that our lives start to change. And when we, our lives start to change, we're demonstrating the transformational power of God to those people around us who are still walking around with their guilt and shame. And we can start being a light to those people. You see, our past, we can learn from our past, much like this guy. Very peculiar, don't you think? Yeah. Looks like the winds are changing. Ah, uh, change is good. Yeah, but it's not easy. I know what I have to do, but... Going back means I'll have to face my past. I've been running from it for so long. <laughs> 
Ow! Jeez, what was that for? It doesn't matter. It's in the past. <laughs> yeah, but it still hurts. Oh, yes, the past can hurt. But the way I see it, you can either run from it or learn from it. Ah! You see? So what are you going to do? First, I'm going to take your stick. No, 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 no! Not your stick! Hey! Where are you going? I'm going back! Good! Go on! Get out of here! You know, the past, it hurts. The guilt and the shame when we let go, even though we may have done things wrong, it hurts. But yeah, we can learn from it and we can move forward. We can, we can leave it behind us, knowing it's there so that we can, we can lean on it to say, oh, I'm not going to make that mistake again as we move forward with the perfect vision God has for us in 2020. And the perfect vision that God has for all of us in 2020 is to know that we are loved by him. You know, we're going to reach people for Christ, but God's personal vision for each and every one of us is to be restored back in relationship with him in 2020. Have that perfect vision looking forward. You know, see Simba, he was dealing with guilt and shame because you remember what happened to Mufasa. And he thought that he was the reason that Mufasa died, his father. And he ran off and was afraid of the guilt and the shame and all that that, that came along with it. He didn't want to own up to it and confess what had happened or anything like that. And Pride Rock fell apart at the hands of Uncle Scar. When Simba dealt with his guilt and shame, it brought life back to the kingdom. When we deal with our guilt and shame, we bring life back to the kingdom of God. Let's surrender it. Let's lay it down because God doesn't want us to walk around with that baggage. He wants to free us. That's why his, you know, this song is reckless love. It's because he is reckless with his love in the way that he will do anything he can Get us back. And that's what the whole Bible's about. He wants each and every one of us to be back and right with him. Accept that not guilty verdict. Accept it today. Lay down the guilt and shame. Start looking forward in 2020. Heavenly Father, we come before you, God. We thank you for what you've done for us, God. We thank you for your redeeming power that comes through this, your son, Jesus Christ. God, we are so grateful for what, how crazy in love you are with us. That you love us so much that you would take your son, allow him to come here to earth to be beaten and rejected and torn apart and put on a cross to die for our sins so that we could be made right with you. Hey, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Jason, I've, I've made too many mistakes. I don't deserve that kind of love. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you're wrong. You absolutely deserve that kind of love because God says you deserve it. And so if that's you and you haven't entered that relationship with Jesus Christ today and you want to, you know, lay it down. Enter into that relationship with him. Just pray to him and say this, like, Lord, you know what? I've, I've made mistakes. I, I'm, I'm a sinner. I, I, forgive me. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, and that he died on the cross as my Savior. And through his death, in resurrection, 
He's been able to wash away my sins. And when you've done that, you've started entered in. You've got the not guilty verdict. As we worship here this morning, uh, we'll finish up in prayer at the end, but if you worship here this morning and you need to lay down that guilt and shame, then come to the altar and lay it down and accept the reckless love God has as we worship with this song. I feel so alive.